everyone, Aloria, and welcome to Who Can It Be Now, the podcast. Today's episode is an interview with my good friend, Tracy Crossley. You're really going to enjoy this interview. She is a phenomenal person, and she does some really great work, and I feel like you're going to gain a lot out of our time together. But before we go into the interview, I wanted to share a tidbit of information with you because I always like to share something um, before an interview just so I can get a little personal time with you. It's a little selfish time I have. So right now I'm doing the week-long celebration that you've heard me talk about in the other podcasts, and it's uh, been really fun and phenomenal. I hope you join us in the next one that we do, where we're getting together and I'm teaching them about guides and higher self and um, how to see and feel your guide, understand the symbols. It's a great introduction to the work. It's more than an introduction because I... I give a lot and the community is so phenomenal that they give a lot and we're just having an incredible celebration. But one of the questions that came up I thought was really good that I wanted to share the question and the answer with all of you. The question was around guides and their names. So somebody was struggling with the name of their guide and uh, they were just struggling with it and I decided, well, let me teach something here. So I'm going to share it with you. Guides don't care about names. They really don't. We know everything in relationship with people by names. We use names and that name, when we say that name, has an energetic feeling to it. So if you think about it, when you say dad or mom, you know, if, if it's your own dad or mom, you have, or whatever you call them, you have an energy response. You have an emotional response to that name. Um, think about certain people in your life, whether it's your siblings or if you had a bad experience with someone, and that name then holds a bad memory for you. So guides know that we know people through their names. Like when we call them, we're calling them by a name, our friends. Let's talk about our friends. And then we just have a whole feeling that comes up with that name when we're speaking to that particular person. And then if we meet someone like down the line who's got a name, like a best friend of ours, we're like, oh, you know, you just feel really like a kindred spirit. Or say you meet somebody with your own name, right? There's not a lot of Marilyns around. So when I meet somebody with the name Marilyn, I'm like, oh, hi. And you all of a sudden I have this like familiar um, connection because we have a similar name. So guides understand that we work this way. So they're they're like, okay, well, let's use names then because when you call us in, you'll know our energy by that name. But they don't necessarily will give you, they don't always give you a name. You can choose the name. It doesn't matter. So with my guides, they all did give me a name. And the names, I don't really share the names of my guides because it's a very intimate relationship for me. It's very personal to me. But they with that name, when I call them in, because I know exactly where they stand and I that name, as soon as I say that name, they come in and they stand in that particular location. I'm actually doing it right now with my main guide. And that just creates this umbilical cord of energy between the two of us. So it's almost like whatever you call your husband or you call your child or there's like this energy, line of energy that goes between you and that person. That's what you create with your guide by just saying their name and then calling them in. And it's almost like that relationship is established, right, in that particular energy exchange and then the relationship grows. It's like guides, your relationship with guides is like any relationship. It grows, it expands, it changes. With your guides, it's always loving, it's always unconditional, it's incredible experience. So they will give you a name. Sometimes they won't give you a name and you just pick a name and it doesn't matter. They don't care. But associate that name with them and call them in, have them stand in the same place every time you call that name in, 
and you will start establishing a deep-rooted connection with your guide. So I will do a podcast around guides and teach a little bit more about it since it is my platform of expertise. And um, I will talk about some of these things that came up in the celebration, which I thought were really amazing as I see people you know, get introduced to their guides, learn how their energy is and learn how to work with them. It really allows me to have a beginning mindset again and remember, oh yeah, this is what people's experience is like. Okay, now I can, let's take this a step further and teach this even more. And I just love when people bring me questions about this stuff because my guides are teaching guides. They love teaching this stuff and they just jump all this information into me and it's just so incredible to be able to give all that information to you and not any we're not all the same right there's a there's a list of uh i don't even like calling them rules but they're like rules for the game right let's play this game of guides communicating with your guides okay here's a list of rules try them on for size see how it feels and play with it but what i love about the work that i do with my guides is we meet you on your path and if something doesn't resonate with you then you get to shift it and change it based on your own experiences. I want to give you one more example that I thought was phenomenal. So we play with symbols and I teach people how to, and I've shared this on this podcast, the symbolic language of your soul, how to um, come up with a symbol, well, I come up with a symbol, come up with a meaning for it. So we played with a couple of symbols and one of the symbols was eagle. So what does eagle mean to you, right? And you will usually have a strong memory of it or you will have a feeling towards it and you will be able to describe what it is right away. So just do it right now. Like, what is an eagle to you? And when I did this in the group, a lot of people said freedom, which is unusual because I will do this a lot when I'm teaching. I'll do butterflies or candles or owl and people have different um, meanings for those particular things. But with eagle... I saw a lot of freedom. A lot of people had the word freedom to describe eagle. And that's not unusual, right? Because if you're especially in the United States, it's it's a, um, oh, you know, I can't find the words, so just find them yourself. <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you that today, I'm so tired. <laughs> so whatever, the eagle <laughs> and freedom and why, why the eagle means freedom. You all know why, or maybe you don't, doesn't matter. It meant freedom to a lot of people in the group. But what I loved about that is right away my guide said, yeah, but freedom means something different to each and every one of you. And that resonated so much with them. And one woman was like, I'm so glad you said that because you negate like what you know, like what that symbol means to you. And then when you start recognizing, wait, eagles mean freedom if they mean freedom to you. And freedom is something different to me than it is to you then you start getting into the symbolic language of your soul and when your guides start giving you symbols you really start understanding what they're communicating intimately to you not to joe or sally or frank to you unless those are your names joe sally and frank then they're communicating that intimately to you joe sally and frank eagles for me i wouldn't have said freedom i have a very strong memory of eagles i was at a retreat in ohio California. I went to Ohio. I heard how great Ohio is. It was the first time I went to Ohio. And they were like, everybody's like, you got to go to Ohio. It's so amazing. Everybody's so spiritual. It's on a vortex. Honestly, everybody just seemed really stoned to me the first time I went there. I was. I went to a store and I remember thinking, oh, wow, you're just really all stoned. And um, that was my experience in the beginning. It was kind of a weird experience. I've been to Ohio since and I, I definitely think Ohio is beautiful. So I'm not putting down <laughs> Ohio. But my first experience of it was like, what is this? But what was happening to me is I was really in the um, 
I was in the crux of my spiritual awakening and my mediumship skills and my psychic abilities and it was very unnerving and I went to this retreat center and I rented out this little place to sleep in this retreat center and I just remember being in the bedroom and feeling like something was outside my window constantly and I wasn't sure if it was a person and I was scared like it could have been a deceased person at that point or it could have been somebody physically from the retreat center it was just very uncomfortable for me but I was so scared when I first started opening up to my abilities that I just was so confused I remember sleeping with the lights on I couldn't sleep I had my little dachshund dog at that time Emmy who's no longer with me in the physical um and I was just petrified and I remember being there like what the heck is going on and so not being able to handle my emotions with my psychic gifts and being really uncomfortable with everything and I didn't know what I was going to do with all this stuff that was opening up to me and I remember journaling and looking out the window and seeing an eagle and I just knew something big and miraculous was happening like it gave me that confidence of knowing wow something is amazing is about to happen and towards the end of that trip I was waiting for a call from a particular healer that I was told could help with what I was doing and what I was going through. And we connected when I was on that trip and we had this conversation. And when I hung up that phone, I felt like, oh, I felt a relief. Like I have someone I can work with. Somebody can help me. Somebody who could help me understand all these experiences that I'm having and help me ground into them and help me grow into them and not feel like I'm coming apart at the seams. And I just remember feeling more peaceful and like I was stepping out into a whole other level of my life. And I left that retreat center and I did start working with her and some other people and my whole world opened up. And um, it, that eagle really showed me that it was powerful. It was super, super powerful what I was about to enter. I didn't know. I had no clue that I was going to be doing what I'm doing today. I had no clue that I was going to get so much satisfaction out of teaching people to communicate with their guides, believe in their dreams, and learn how to use all these gifts that are out there. And let me tell you something. Our gifts aren't just psychic. It's not cl only clairvoyance and clairaudience and claircognizance and all those amazing gifts. Our gifts are other things too, like not only writing and drawing. Like I have a gift of bringing community together. I'm incredibly gifted at it. I'm, I'm, I'm always doing it wherever I am. I'm organizing people and um, creating opportunities, you know. I just do it naturally. So in my own businesses, Membership for Your Soul and Soul Finder Academy, I've created very safe communities where people really flourish and grow and feel safe. That's really important to me. So that's a gift, right? You may have a gift where you're networking really good or building relationships, or you may have a gift at folding clothes. I saw this woman's YouTube channel and, and she has folding clothes and I, I can't remember who it was, I saw how I even saw it, but I was like, wow, she really has a whole business doing this and that's incredible. So open up the brackets to your gifts and start recognizing what you're good at and start thinking about, what you can be doing with these gifts and how you could be um, exploring them further and start connecting with your guides more and more. All right. So enjoy this interview and uh, I will talk to you next week. And remember, rate, subscribe and share this podcast. I'd love to see my ratings go up on Apple Podcasts. So I know a bunch of you following me. If you can go onto Apple Podcasts and rate it with a five star review, that would be great. Um, 
And that's it. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm getting such great feedback. And again, you can email us at care at Maryland. Nope, don't do that one. Do care. No, do. <laughs> you know what? I think I have to go down to one email. Info at who can it be now podcast.com. Info at who can it be now podcast.com. Let me know what you want to learn. Let me know what you want to talk about. Um, let me know how I can help you and guide you further. Thank you so much and enjoy this interview with Tracy. I know you're going to love it. Have a great day or night whenever you're listening to this. Bye. Hi, everyone. Yay. Everybody say hi to Tracy. Hello. Hi. Hi, guys. Fix my hair. So we are very um, low key here. But uh, I'm going to tell you all about Tracy because I'm excited to have this conversation. Tracy and I know each other from our mastermind group. And um, she does some really, really fascinating work. And I'm actually going to learn along with you guys. So those are always my favorite guests when I learn along with you. And what we're talking about today is stop accepting the breadcrumbs in your relationship, which brings you in this whole area. Tracy. So I want to tell you about Tracy and we're, we're probably Tracy, you know, as everybody, they know, this is a very casual group. She's given us questions. Uh, so I'm going to go there, but I usually go off the questions and I know you're fine with that too. Um, Tracy Crossley, is that how you say your last name? Yeah, that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. Great. Is a behavioral relationship expert whose work centers on emotional connection with ourselves and others. She helps people get out of their head to uncover the belief system that drives their behavior, then guides them through emotionally driven actions to break the patterns that keep them stuck. Such a great topic. As someone who struggled with insecure attachment issues for most of her life, Tracy shares her experiences with equal parts empathy and humor. She's been there and knows how much is available to those who refuse to settle. The work she does leads to self-acceptance, emotional freedom, and more authentic life. Hello, Tracy, say hi. Hey there. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Marilyn. Yeah, I know. I'm super excited. And I have some questions right off the bat before we talk about breadcrumbs in your relationship. I need to know, because I hear this word a lot, um, this attachment thing, and I've heard it from you. Can you explain to me what insecure attachment is? Yes. And to all of us? Yeah, absolutely. So there is something called attachment theory. It's a psychological theory that was developed by a psychologist named John Bowlby. I believe it was in the late 60s, if I remember right. And what it was, was talking about how as babies, we attach to our parents. We attach to them for love. We attach to them, obviously, because they're our source of food and shelter, right? So what happens is, when you have inconsistent parenting where you know your parents didn't have to be abusive they didn't have to be horrible human beings but it's where a parent was inconsistent in how they cared for you and so each child depending on your personality you would react differently so for some that made them anxiously cling uh, for others they may feel those same emotions but avoid and for others they may have gone back and forth and Others might've been ambivalent. So there's different types of styles, like there's ambivalent, uh, there's disorganized fearful, there's anxious avoidant, and there's anxious and plain old avoidant. And I'm sure some other labels there, but that's basically how it developed. And it's important because it's a survival mechanism that we have, because otherwise we wouldn't survive if we didn't attach to our initial caregivers. Got it. So what made you, how did you get involved in it and then become an expert in this field? Well, I was a coach and I was a coach who had a lot of 
oh, let's say dysfunctional relationships. And so I, you know, and I was always a person who was on the, let me get to self-empowerment. You know, I was always on that self-help trail. And what happened was I was finding that I would get into these relationships that were totally dysfunctional where I, I could be anxious and the other one avoidant, meaning, oh, what happened? You fell off the face of the earth for a week or two weeks. And, you know, then I would be chasing after them or I'd be in the opposite place because I was an anxious avoidant where I would be avoiding relationships and single forever. And so for mm -hmm. me, I was very self-sufficient and I was always very independent, which most people that are avoidants are. And so, um, and so what I found was I was in this relationship and I could not feel any better. Like I had gone to therapy, I did all these things and I wasn't feeling any better. I felt this anxiety and this relationship that I'm talking about was on and off where he would show up, he'd disappear, he'd show up and, or I'd be going, get out of my life. I don't want to deal with you. But the problem was, and this is one of the last times it happened, I noticed that no matter how long this person had been gone and how I thought maybe I was getting over it, I really wasn't getting over it because he'd show back up and I'd have those same feelings again. And I thought, oh, I'm not mm. going to live this way, right? I'm not going to live with somebody else basically controlling my emotional state. And so I really did a deep dive into helping myself and what that meant. And that's pretty much how, you know, being a coach and then this happening sort of just fit together. And it seemed like that's what ended up attracting people to me because I started putting out blog posts. And then I wrote for Elephant Journal and Huffington Post. And I was sharing my stories and sharing how I was helping people who had the same issues. And you're married, right? Yes, I got remarried. So I was married once before many years ago. And I got remarried in 2018. And um, yeah, and a totally different relationship, like completely different. Wow. I didn't realize it was a second marriage because you guys feel like whenever Tracy talks about him, we were accountability partners too in RRI, another program we were in. And um, you always, it just feels like it's a very long, beautiful relationship. That's what I mean by it. Like, it feels like it's very deep and it's been around for a long time. Yeah. yeah it has that feeling to it because it's functional. <laughs> I love that. We have functional relationships before they were opposite. Yes. Yeah, I relate to a lot of what you're saying. So I love this conversation. So now let's get into the topic of, well, first, what I would really like you to do, Tracy, is tell people the stuff that you do, even though everything, your website and everything goes out with them, um, goes out to everybody and then it lives on our site. I still want people to know you do a podcast. I want them to hear about a little bit about your business because a lot of people are running businesses. And I think that that really is beneficial to them to hear what kind of business you created now based on your own life experience. Oh, I think that's awesome. I, I'm glad to hear that people like that are listening because, um, so when I started the business, obviously I was doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with people and I also did psychic readings. Um, cause I'm oh, that's right. I forget about that part cause she hides that. So she's also a psychic and a medium. Yes. And I have, a, I have that actually on a separate website. So, um, and a lot of it's just by referral because I don't really publicize it. I used to, but what I found was the people that were showing up for readings really needed coaching. And so that's why I separated the two. Um, so anyway, so I, I started off as a one-on-one -on -one coach and doing readings and then it progressed and it took a long time. I mean, I've had this business 12 and a half years. And at one point, uh, I think it was like five, six years ago, you know, I really started to incorporate more of a team and, you know, like I had a marketing person and brought in an assistant and a 
consistently had an assistant ever since then. Um, and that's around when I hit six figures with my business. And so going forward to now, um, so my business is I've had a podcast for five years and it's great because people really resonate with the information. Like I have one, I have three different topics that I talk about and they're on different days. So every Tuesday I have one that's specifically about attachment and attachment issues. Um, I have my Friday podcast, which is really talking about all sorts of emotional issues in terms of the obstacles we place in front of ourselves to get anywhere. And then I also do an interview series where that comes out every couple of weeks and I interview different experts in how they've moved on in their lives. So that's been super popular. In fact, it was probably more popular than my writing was. Um, and so I get a lot of clients that come through that. I also have a group program. It's called Mastery and it's a great program because you know it brings people in who really are, hey, I've done all this work and I still feel this way. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's been awesome because I also have a team of coaches. I've trained at this point, I've trained nine people and I have six of them working in the business with me. And so they also help out with coaching and they take on clients one-on-one um, -on -one as well. And so really it's been that, you know, it's just grown so much, especially in the last two years, I'd say like, it just keeps growing, growing, growing. And so I'm happy about that, of course, but with that comes its challenges too. Right. Right. Totally. What's the name of your podcast, honey? Um, you can find it. It's called deal with it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Got to deal with that emotional baggage. Love that. Okay. So now let's talk about the break breadcrumb relationship. What is a breadcrumb relationship? <laughs> I know that's such a funny term, but you know, it well, really, it's actually perfect. Well, it is funny because I used to tell people, you know, uh, don't you want the whole loaf of bread? Why are you settling for breadcrumbs? You oh, know? Lovely. Yes. So breadcrumbing, there's a couple of ways that it's used. Basically, if you're in a relationship and you look at the amount of attention and the amount of, let's say, support you get, you're, you're settling for breadcrumbs. Maybe your partner's not really around. Maybe your partner is dismissive of your needs. Whatever it happens to be, you're just settling for so little. If you're on the other spectrum, which I think is, is difficult because I think there's a lot of people out there that fit this, but breadcrumb dating, it's where you meet somebody, you feel like, oh my gosh, this person, I think they're awesome. You know, you're having maybe that little intensity, that chemistry, and you're thinking this is great. And you think they think that too. And maybe they do for a week or two or however long, it doesn't even matter the length of time. What starts to happen though, is they go from showing up to slowly disappearing, slowly fading out like ghosting, except that they show back up at some point like mm -hmm. nothing happened and you're hooked into it because you thought this was going to be something great. And then they show back up and you're like, Oh my God, they showed back up. I should be so excited. And you fall right back into it and it becomes a cycle. So that's breadcrumb dating. I have experienced breadcrumb dating and I know all about it. <laughs> so, uh, I think you answered this question, but how can we know? Because maybe some people don't realize they're in breadcrumb relationships. How can they know that they're in it? That's such a great question. And for me to answer that, it's really about, you can tell by how you feel, right? If you don't feel good and you're not happy, you have to look at that and you have to go, it's not about the other person. It's about what am I doing here 
and what is it I'm actually participating in. Most of us aren't that self-aware that we're paying attention. Most of us are usually mm -hmm. just blaming the other person, but you can tell like if you're breadcrumb dating somebody and they fall off the face of the earth and they show back up and they have all sorts of promises, you really have to look at that and go, this person is not consistent in how they show up. Why is that okay with me? And what kind of fantasy am I building from that? Because I guarantee that's what's happening. You've already got, you know, oh, he's, he's back or she's back and boy, oh boy, I'm so excited. We're going to get married. I mean, like people go right there and it's really about staying in reality and going, okay, what is happening here? But more so, am I putting myself in a position where I feel like I'm chasing somebody? Am I putting myself in a position where I'm complaining all the time? You know, you got to look at how am I responding to this relationship? That's going to give you a clue about if I'm happy or I'm not happy here. You know what I love about this too, is that I think you can have this in friendships too. Like it doesn't only have to be, cause I'm very, if, if somebody's really inconsistent in friendship with me, I'm done. I, and I don't like inconsistency if we're close friends. I don't call it if we're not close friends. Right. And I sometimes will see that with certain things. I'm like, oh no, this isn't for me. It's okay if you want to be like this, but this doesn't work for me. Yeah. So do you feel that this can go in all different types of relationships? I guess parents too. It could be with your parents. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. Mom and dad usually starts there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you're used to it because on some level, let, let's put it this way. If you had not had anything like that as a kid, that's what I was talking about with attachment theory, that there's a consistency that's missing. Right. Yeah. So you wouldn't seek it out. You wouldn't even bother with it. You'd go, this person's not showing up. I don't want to deal with this, whether whoever it is. And so, you know, like I experienced that with my own parent. Um, and I really see it, you know, my, my father passed recently and it's been really fascinating because I'm seeing my mother and I'm seeing how prevalent it is with her inconsistency still. Like it's amazing. And she's never going to get it. She's never going to change. It's just going to be who she is. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. So what can people do to start setting boundaries? And one, let's, let's, I want to take, break this in two parts, even though you've said it, because for those who are not observant of it, is there a question they can start asking themselves to make themselves more observant of it? Yeah, they can ask themselves, am I having fun? Mm. Because what it is, there's a difference. They may feel intensity, that is not fun. Mm. And they may feel like they're on a roller coaster. That is not fun to emotionally go through. I mean, if you're gonna go on a roller coaster, go get on a physical one. Mm -hmm. But emotionally, you can tell because am I high, am I low? You can go, in the last 30 days, how much fun have I been having in this relationship? Because then, you really look at it and you go, oh my God, probably two days, maybe an hour a day. I mean, you start to break it down and you realize you are paying such a huge cost to be in this relationship and get so little out of it. Another way, another question you can ask too is, um, why do I feel exhausted? Because when you're in a relationship like that, you're giving, giving, giving. And so you're exhausting yourself and it's to go, oh, wow, look at me. I'm, I'm, people pleasing, or I'm trying to be perfect, or I keep strategizing to figure out how I can get more out of this person, or maybe you're complaining all the time. So you can ask yourself these questions and it's pretty clear. It's like, if I'm not having fun, what the heck am I doing here? 
So you must get people though that say to you, yeah, but Tracy, when he's there, it's like, we're so in like, he's, it's everything. And, and then how do you deal with people? Like, how do you get them to break that pattern? Like that takes a while. And that's why I have programs because it took yeah. me a while. Like I didn't just discover, Oh, look at what you're doing, Trace. It was a process because your belief system is at the base of everything you do. So you get out of bed in the morning, you got to believe there's a floor there for your foot to hit, right? It's things like that where it also impacts how you see relationships, how you see yourself, your own self-worth. And so you have to actually build up your self-worth to be able to get to a point where you go, you know, this isn't really functional. And it's amazing when we're together, but it really isn't because that, that, um, that veil sort of slips as you grow and you have more self-worth, you realize this isn't that exciting hanging out with this person. It was all that intensity that I thought made it exciting, that we were having really deep conversations and all the other crap because I've done it. And I used to believe that, like I thought, how will I ever live without this person in my life? We have these amazing moments, but being in a healthy relationship and looking back at that, it's so, it's just night and day. And I yeah. never in a million years thought I'd ever be able to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's bringing up stuff. Um, so let's talk about the setting the boundaries. I think we've kind of talked about or how you can really leave. Cause, cause the thing that's coming up for me as you're saying this is I'm thinking about a relationship I was in and it was, it was definitely a breadcrumb relationship and the intensity was still there, but I chose to walk away. Like I, no matter what. So I'm assuming a lot of people still have that intense feeling you still have that in those incredible, like, so this was a really sexually charged relationship as well. Mm -hmm. And, but I was like, I'm done. I'm not going to be treated this way and cut all ties off. But I still had to deal with the feelings that I had. Yeah. So here's the thing. I know. And this is such a bummer. I had more than one relationship like that, by the way. Me, me too, unfortunately. <laughs> and so, you know, and when I got to that last one, literally I was walking down the street. Yeah. I was walking down the street and I heard from him and I just stood there and I'm like, oh my God. Cause I felt like I had this like steel umbilical cord, like this thing mm -hmm. that just would not let go of me. And that was that moment I went, oh, I have to, I've got to do something. Well, I was pretty cut off for myself emotionally. And so the deal is, and, and most people will find this advice a little weird, but I was very cut off and I realized that it was me emotionally. I was the common denominator in all these jacked up relationships. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there was probably something I was missing and it was, oh yeah, hey, guess what? You need to deal with the emotions, not just emotional reactions of anxiety or anger or sadness. It's like, what's really going on in a deeper level? And so I started to unpack that because your emotions, when I was talking about the beliefs, so your emotions are basically how you got the beliefs. If you had an emotional reaction to something as a kid and it happened over and over again, it became a belief. You didn't have a belief unless it had an emotional reaction attached. So you have to be able to get to the emotional reactions, the emotional drive, why am I here? What am I doing? So my advice is weird in that I don't tell people to run away fast. I say, See if you can stick it out, even though there's the adult part of your brain saying, get out, this is not healthy. If you want to resolve those issues, then having that situation happening and you growing and changing through it is great. But so many of us have so much fear of being consumed by it 
or fear that we're never going to get out of it or fear of how we're, you know, we feel bad the way we're being treated. And it really is about being able to change those beliefs and then change your patterns and feel a sense of well-being and leave. Like I look back on that relationship, like mine was like on and off for six years. It was a long time. And I kept thinking, even when I ended it, I thought, okay, I feel good because I literally, like every time I wanted to break up, I'm like, no, Tracy, you are staying right here because you need to learn something. This thing isn't going away. And it's a pattern you have in relationships. You need to do something. And so it was really hard to stay there. And like I said, when I got to the last time, I was, I was so done. Like I didn't feel emotionally vacant anymore. I didn't feel um, like if he called, like my stomach would drop. I didn't have any of those kind of feelings anymore because I had grown myself to that degree. And even now, like I look back and I'm like, how did I think that that was amazing? Because it wasn't even the sex. Like when you look at the sex, by the way, and you take the intensity off, it really wasn't that great, mm -hmm. you know? So it's really fascinating when you have that whole um, thing going on where you're like, oh my God, it's so amazing. But I know that feeling. I know that feeling of attachment and it's, it sucks. What kind of questions can you ask yourself in the moment or ask of yourself? Is there a, like one question in particular? I love the joy part. Like, am I having fun? But now I'm walking in it, say, I'm not in it, thank God. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay with it because I want to find out my belief systems. Is there like one, in, like, okay, where does this initiate? But I, I want to kind of try to, it must be hard because that's why you have to work with Tracy because she drills it down and gets to know the person. But is there anything or a boundary that you could put up or a, I love myself more or anything that you could do while you're walking through it? There's a lot of things that you can do. I mean, a ton, but you know, you speak to boundaries and so I can talk to that briefly. Yeah. Well, most of us think boundaries are how somebody else treats us. But if you're not treating yourself that way, having an expectation that someone else is going to treat you in the way you want to be treated, it doesn't work. It's like, if you want love, then you got to treat yourself with love. You want respect, you got to be respectful. And so it's really difficult. But one of the things you can do is look at, do my words, actions, and feelings match? You know, my intention. If I'm saying I'm going to be respectful, are my words respectful of me? Are my actions respectful of me? Are my feelings respectful of me? Or am I just feeling crappy and I'm on autopilot and I'm acting in ways because I'm too afraid of abandonment by this person that I can't let go of it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's to really, it's not to shame yourself or make yourself into what is wrong with me. It's more to recognize if I can't hold a boundary, then I need to really do some deeper work on getting to what are the obstacles? What are the fear-based you know, beliefs that I have that stand in the way of it. And it's hard work. It's painful because that's the other thing. Most of us would just shove the pain down rather than let the pain out. And that's a big part, I think, of what makes us like a magnet to relationships like this, because that person's in pain too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, so now, okay, so you're out of the relationship, you did the work, and then all of a sudden one comes down the pike and it's doing a breadcrumb thing again. What do you tell your people to do? So it depends on where they are because some people are in a lot of fear. So here's the easiest thing to do. Stay in the moment in reality. Because if I'm in the moment in reality and I'm not building a fantasy like, oh my God, here's my prince, you're going to feel differently. You're going to feel disappointed is what you're going to feel. Yeah. And you have to deal with it because all of this stuff is to avoid disappointment in the first place. So you got to deal with it. And that's probably the easiest thing to do. 
It's so funny. I didn't know about any of this and I love hearing this and thank you for the, the confirmation because when I moved here, I met a guy that was a sexual attraction again, playing tennis, real exciting. And I purposely observed. I said, I'm staying in observation. I'm going to watch this one. I'm doing this one slow. I'm not, because I could have easily just, it could have happened. And I'll never forget that he did something and everything came to light. And it was, this would, would have been a horrible choice of a person, absolutely horrible. And in an instant, I was so proud of myself, all those feelings went away. Because nice. I stayed in the reality, I stayed in the moment and I sought for what it was. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, ah, so that's how you do it. So everything you said, I agree with completely. Yes. And there's one other thing too, that you can do too, is that, you know, when you're out there and you decide you're open to dating and it's really about being open and being connected to yourself emotionally. A lot of us aren't connected enough to ourselves, right? We're so connected to other people. What are they doing? What, what about them? Instead of, wait a minute, how do I feel? And can I be open and just share myself authentically with other people? You know, that was one of the things that I did about eight months before I met my husband, even though I've been coaching people, um, I realized I had this huge wall. Like I was having a good time being single as far as my life was great. My business was great. Like I didn't have any complaints, but I'm like, you know, I want to have a relationship, but I really realized how much fear I still had. And so I had to work through number one, I hated dating. Dating was like the worst thing in the world to me, like how boring and what a waste of time. In fact, I was busy having dates and <clears throat> like this one guy, I literally ran to my car to get away. Okay. So <laughs> that's like, I don't want to do this, but the, the point I came to was I do want to do this. And I was willing to face my fears. And one of the things that helped me besides really being open and available was to be curious. So I took dating as more of, can I be curious about how I show up? Like if I'm on a date and I start talking to somebody, am I talking to get a second date or am I being real? You know, yeah. I'm being real. I'm talking about something, I'm engaged, I'm having fun, great. But if I'm doing this, I'm trying to manipulate the guy or get him to see me in some way. You know, that's when we always feel disappointed and crappy after a date, like, oh, that wasn't great because we're, we're not looking at it from being curious. And so being curious really helped me to make dating fun and also being very open about whatever, like, hey, this has been my track record with relationships. I've pretty much sucked at them. And, you know, but I've done a lot of work and I'm still a work in progress, but I would say things like that. And, um, and the quality of men I met was so much better. Like it kept improving all the time. I also think it's a safer way. Like you feel more safe in that kind of a setup because you are being more grounded in yourself and curious and, um, I don't know. It just feels better that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. It's a great thing. I want to, I want to bring up a, I love everything Tracy's saying because I'm relating a lot to it in my own life. And, um, I, I remember meeting a guy on the tennis court and I could tell right away, I have a, a history of drug addicts and alcoholics that I usually date and I'm done with that, you know, and I could tell this guy had that energy, that vibration. And I literally, and I could tell he was interested and I literally ran off the court and called a friend of mine who's very unhealthy in relationships. And she's like, why'd you run away? And I was like, cause I'm done with that type. But the thing that I have to have to be careful of and the thing that I'm opening up to is just because you have to, I have to trust myself, like running off of the court. I know you're going to have something to say to this, which I'd love to hear, 
but also what you said about dating with your own husband, I'm looking at it as just a curiosity, having fun, sitting in observation. It doesn't have to be the man. So I would love to hear what you have to say and then what, what you know, with that, but sure. yeah. You said the magic words though. So what we do is we often have rules. We yes. don't know what our rules are. And this is the thing I was actually thinking about. Um, so I did a workshop called Save Your Shitty Relationship. And so I, I can share that with, you know, I'll give that to you and you can share it. Oh, and thank you. Yeah, because in it, I talk about, so you have a belief here, you have a rule here, a story, pattern, evidence, okay? And it goes mm -hmm. in the loop, right? So if I have a belief that's not a great belief about myself, like I'm going to be alone, because that's a lot of us. I'm going to be alone. That was mine. I'm going to be alone. And that was because I always felt alone. Um, and so I have, a, I have a rule. So your rule is, I can, I can, I should, I shouldn't, I will, I won't. Those are the things that you'll hear yourself saying. So if you're alone and you're single and you go, I can't date men that are four foot two, then maybe you say, I can date men that are four foot two. Mm -hmm. Like you have to look at why you have rules because they're all about how much you do or do not trust yourself. Yes. The more rules, yes. The more rules you have, forget trusting yourself and exactly. you got to break them. See? Yes. Keep going. Okay. So then when you have the rules, you have the word because that's in there. I can't date men that are four foot two because, and then that's the story that's on top of the rules. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's the blah, 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 all the excuses, all the reasons. Okay. And so what we tend to do is we go, I can't understand why I'm alone. And we don't hear these rules. And then the stories that follow and then the patterns that keep them in place that gives us the evidence that, oh my God, I'm alone. So it's like this loop that we just stay stuck in. And so at any point of rule, story, or pattern, you break any of those, you can start to change things. But most of us are too based in fear of what's going to happen. I can't trust myself. I'm going to be engulfed. I'm not going to you know, be able to handle this. And so we stay stuck at that level of rules. Love that. So I want to ask a follow-up question with that, and I'm going to take another question. Um, so I agree with everything you're saying, and I could, I could feel it even in myself loosening up and all of that and where the patterns were. And um, even it's just, I'd really love that. But so my question to you is knowing that I attract alcoholics and drug, or used to attract alcoholics mm -hmm. and drug addicts. So it is a rule. I'm not going to date an alcoholic or a drug addict, no matter what how it, how do you make sure you're not going into a cycle or a loop? Like I trust myself enough to choose, but maybe there's a pattern there or fear there or something I'm watching out for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're usually watching out for if the man's an alcoholic or a drug addict, let's say, you have to look at what is my point of attraction? Like this is a lot about self-awareness. Yeah, fixing right? people. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah. And so it's, what is a need that I have not just mentally knowing I got to fix people, but what's the feeling inside of me? Mm. You got to feel your feelings. If you don't feel your feelings, you're not connected to yourself. So the more you dig in and you go, wow, I'm feeling anxious. Like, like probably meeting somebody who's an alcoholic or a drug addict, your first inclination, like you ran off the court, there's probably anxiety there. There's oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So you notice that and you go, where's the anxiety coming from? See, instead of going out here, you're going in here. And yeah. the more you do that, you learn to build a relationship with yourself that you trust yourself, that you know, wherever you show up, you're going to be able to deal with it. And things will come out of your mouth that you would have never said in a million years before that. Love that, Tracy. Thank you. Very, very yes. good. I love using myself as a guinea pig here.
for me personally, everything is Tracy saying, the more I get to know myself, the more I know myself really well, and I can communicate that, the better, the more, the richer the relationships are, and I'm not looking to avoid, or I need to be independent. I trust myself. I trust myself enough to communicate in the moment that something is uncomfortable. I've been hanging out with a lot of men. Like that's my thing here. And it's not even, it just seems to be happening because I'm opening it. And it's been a lot of fun to just even just hang out men, play tennis and I love men actually. And, but really working on my own personal dating issues in that kind of atmosphere has been so beneficial for me. It's been really great. And hearing everything you're saying, I could see mm-hmm. how I'm working on dissolving those patterns in and of my, in myself too. Yeah. And then, you know, it's so funny too, because then when you do find a relationship, it's really fascinating because you see yourself and you're like, I am not the person I used to be, you know, and cause you're, yeah. you're relating in different ways. And to me, it's all about being emotionally available and open when you need space, you know, it's I like, I don't need space to think I'm a creative also, and I'm always doing, I am busy a lot of the time. I work a lot. And the thing is, is that I know I can bury myself in it and it's a comfort zone. And Mm -hmm. so that's what you want to be aware of because there is, there's also this feeling too, when you have attachment issues and I don't know why this is, there's probably a study somewhere. We always feel like time is limited because we have this thing about limited resources. Mm -hmm. So time being one of them. So if I don't get to spend all this time by myself, you know, formulating, creating, doing whatever, there may not be enough time. But the truth is when you you live in this flow of allowing, right? Allowing is being open, not controlling everything around you, controlling, and a lot of us find ourselves doing this, but not controlling things. And you kind of live in this flow. You realize that there's enough time for everything. There really is. And so you don't have to be so possessive of your time you can be open and you find you still get the same amount of stuff done. But really, thank you so much. Is there any closing uh, remarks that you want to leave us with or anything that you want to share with us here? Um, I would basically just say, you know, the greatest journey is to oneself, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, getting to know who you are in that relationship. And the more you take a deep dive into that, it makes you safe anywhere in the world, basically. I mean, unless there's a bomb going off or a tiger chasing you, but it really gives you a sense of confidence and comfort and knowing that wherever you go, you can trust this person to take care of you. And to me, that's like the best gift ever. I agree with that hundred percent. Cause as you're talking about all these dates, I'm remembering a date I ran away from or this I ran away from. And my old MO used to be like, it's their fault. Like my, my way to, to take care of myself is to be angry. Like how dare that guy? Or if a guy had a big crush on me and it was too invasive, you know, and now I don't, I don't like, I agree with everything you're saying. Like everything starts and ends with me. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel. I, I hope I'm hearing you right as yes. I repeat this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, that's one of the things really quick that I would say in my relationship that we don't fight a lot. And if Mm -hmm. we do, it's really short and it's not, you did this or you did that. And if it were to even go there, it's, whoa, I'm triggered. Me personally, I'm triggered. I I need to figure out why, like that's my responsibility. It's not your responsibility to figure out why I'm triggered. And then if I take responsibility for it and I do a deep dive and I go, what's going on with me? It's usually some past shit that's not happening now. And then it's an opportunity for me to grow. And then I become a better partner, not just to my husband, but to myself too. 
Well, that also helped you pick a better partner too, because you had such a great dialogue with yourself and you're, you really knew yourself very well, which is what you said too, correct? Yes, yes. But it's yeah. just interesting because, you know, when you get triggered, you're in a state of reaction, right? You're like, okay, something's taken over here. But I usually catch myself pretty quickly. But it's just nice to not have a relationship where, you know, a lot of people choose sides, right? It's yeah. you're against the other person rather than for the other person. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Do you do relationship coaching too? I do. Yeah. I, yeah. I, um, I try to do it with individuals first. And I say that because a lot of times when you get into relationship coaching, people want to compromise and it's really, no, you don't want to compromise until you know what you're compromising. Cause you're probably going to be angry and resentful that you're compromising. So friggin' true. That's a whole other topic that we can talk about. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Wow. So everybody check out Tracy. I put her websites in here and as you know, and her podcast as well, um, we'll be in touch with Tracy and see if there's anything further she can do with membership, but um, she's very busy and stuff, but really go to her sites um, and check them out and we'll send them out in the email and uh, just, you know, damn, jump on it, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. That, was, that was really amazing, Tracy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I've really enjoyed being here and I love answering everybody's questions. It's like my favorite thing to do. So thank you. Mm -hmm.